to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 81 of the podcast. All right, everybody, and it's going to be a Just Derek show today. Uh, so I was thinking about as I was getting ready uh, this week to do a show, what to do it on, I think mentioned last week I wasn't really sure. And I the only thing I knew is that I was going to be coming back and talking to you about something personally that I wasn't going to do an interview even though I have um you know a couple uh in the bank. Uh you will probably be hearing an interview next week because I will be going to Las Vegas. Woohoo. Uh so anyway, today we're going to be talking about grades. Uh, I know some of you are probably like, uh, turn the podcast off now. But let me start with a story at least. Get you guys uh, you know, interested and invested. So I remember I think I was probably in second grade, maybe third, and you know, elementary school very early, kind of a difficult memory to conjure up, but it will always stay with me to some extent. And I took a quiz or something, you know, vocabulary test, whatever second or third graders do. And I didn't do well, you know, I did bad. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't do, I didn't do horrible, uh, but I didn't get like 100 or whatever I was normally used to. I got something like an 85. <laughs> that was the story. And I freaked out. <laughs> I got really upset that I got an 85 because I guess I had been taking the quizzes for a while and I was really used to getting hundreds. And my teacher had a meeting or sent home a note to my mom basically explaining what had happened and that, you know, noting that I had had, you know, I was very upset, in, but the grade really wasn't that bad. And that it seems like I have, you know, I'm very hard on myself and I have very high expectations for myself. And so my mom, I remember my mom talking to me about it afterwards. And, you know, I think that they kind of felt a little guilty thinking back. Like, did we cause this? Did we, like, you know, basically infer that we weren't happy if, you know, you brought home an 85 instead of a 100? And, you know, I think felt a little bit remorse if, in fact, that was, you know, what they were doing. I don't remember. Um, I do remember when I would come home with something less than 100, though. I, I feel like there was always that question of, like, oh, why wasn't it 100? Not necessarily from a, you know, judgment standpoint, but more from a genuine curiosity standpoint. Like, oh, you know. Um, because they were like a little bit surprised, not like, oh, I can't believe it, you know, that's terrible kind of mentality. So I may have interpreted it that way. I don't know. But I, you know, I definitely don't feel like my parents ever pushed me to be like perfect. Um, they definitely pushed me to, to work hard though. And I, and I thank them every day for that. So anyway, why am I telling you this story? I feel like it's a good intro into the true value of grades, which is what I'm going to try and uh, dissect a little bit today, because I see it every day in, you know, the classes that I teach, um, and just hearing students talk, you know, they focus very much on grades. Grades seem to bring about a lot of stress, uh, 
um, many sleepless nights, uh, a good bit of anxiety and depression for some. And for others, grades bring about accolades. They bring about awards. They bring about recognition from other people, positive recognition. So I feel like in some ways there's nothing as divisive in academia as, you know, the concept of grades and grading. And it's changed a lot over the years, and I'll talk a little bit about that. Well, let's start off with a myth, or maybe it's not a myth. You know, you be the judge. You hear a lot uh, in the media, I think, in response to, the, you know, as a, as a pushback to what I was observing, you know, the high amounts of stress and sleepless nights and anxiety, which probably uh, in most cases outnumber the amount that people associate grades with accolades, awards, and recognition. And that's really why I'm doing the episode today, right? Um, if all we had to worry about were accolades, awards, and recognition, man, <laughs> that would be a great problem to have. But unfortunately, no. So there's been this, you know, pushback is, you know what, grades don't really matter. <laughs> and I, th- I think it's a myth. Um, I, I think they don't matter as much as people, uh, you know, prop them up at the present moment. That's for sure. But I do know that they matter to you. So to say that grades don't matter really, you know, it fails to take into account the more, most important factor in all of this is that most people, you know, don't say going to college, I don't really care about what grades I get, <laughs> said nobody ever, right? Um, a lot of which probably relates to the amount that's riding on, you know, at least passing college, you know, cost-wise and time-wise too. So they matter to you. And I, I value that. And I think that that is worth, you know, that alone is making this conversation worth having. And I know for at least, especially the younger students out there, they matter to your parents, (laughs) you know, especially if they have a hand in funding your education, you know, and then in that case, I think they kind of have a right at least to know what grades you're getting. Um, So, I think it's important in that regard. Higher level graduate school where they have competitive enrollment, yeah, you better fucking believe they matter there, (laughs) right? If you are planning to get into med school, um, law school, any kind of, you know, very highly competitive um, academic graduate program, PhD programs, um, grades are going to matter something, you know? People, program directors of those programs don't want dummies. So they will take into account other things as well, uh, you know, such as standardized test scores and publications, especially at the graduate level and research and, and whatnot, research experience. But grades certainly do matter. And I believe this is not, I don't have any uh, research to back this up, but I believe that, you know, sort of grades are the key indicator of college success. So what I mean there is that somebody with a high grade, you know, high GPA in high school, you know, that's the single biggest predictor of getting a high GPA in college. And that for some probably is like, well, duh. But for others that say, you know, grades don't matter. Well, this is again, an argument against that. Um, But Here's the thing. So grades matter in all of those cases. They may matter to a varying level amongst the people that are listening right now. To some, they matter a hell of a lot. And to some, they matter less. But they all, you know, in in all cases, they matter some. 
but let me tell you where grades don't matter. And this is usually the crux of the argument in those articles that you've seen recently and, you know, is brushed back or blowback from, you know, this overstressed, you know, culture of students, you know, um, really focused on grades. Grades don't matter to employers. So if you are going to college and your goal, we'll get back to goals later, is to graduate and get a job in the field, right? You don't have a goal of going to grad school. You know, you're going to be one of those people that gets an associate's degree or a a bachelor's degree and finds a job, an entry-level job in the field following. Do grades matter in those cases? I, I can't think of, of an, a place where they do, right? So I'm thinking of, you know, my experience. I graduated from Rutgers with my bachelor's. And I did not have plans at the moment, at the time when I graduated of going to grad school. Maybe someday, but nothing immediate. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I applied for a job. I had already had a part-time job, and I sort of applied for a full-time position at that same agency. Do you think that my supervisor sat in my interview and asked me, so Derek, what were your grades like in your psychology classes at Rutgers? No, they didn't say that. Uh, They wanted to know I had the freaking piece of paper. That was the main thing when it came to school. Um, It really helped me that I already had a position in the agency. Let me think back to when I got that part-time position. Did they want to know what my grades were? No. They were interested to know that I was a college student, a current student, on track to graduate in you know a year or whatever it was when I got that job. So grades do not matter to employers. They don't matter to a lot of grad schools as well. You know, some grad schools will take pretty much any kind of student that they can get. Uh, they don't matter in community college, I believe. So in essence, you know, if you can graduate high school, Uh, you can enroll in community college. So those are three cases where I could think of where grades don't matter. And I think that there's probably a lot of people in that first group, right? The, The people that are in undergrad schooling right now and just have a plan of graduating and no immediate plans of grad school. So what is the point, and I'm asking this as a genuine question, it's not rhetorical, Uh, of really working your ass off to get an A versus a B plus or, you know, um, is it worth putting in that extra effort? For some people, I find that they seem to think that it is. And I am surprised by that because I guess in those cases, maybe people don't have that big picture in mind, that this macro view that I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, now, the people that are sort of on the border of passing, right, the C's that could easily be D's, and then you're not getting credit for the course, and that's a problem, right? So for those students, grades really should matter, right? Um, again, assuming the goal is graduation, right? And for most people entering college, Um, the goal is graduation. Though there are some students that just want to take some college courses, you know, in the beginning just to see what it's like. Nothing wrong with that. If that's the goal, you know, maybe grades matter a little bit less. I don't know. So let's think about, let's talk about instructors for a while. 
Because I think we've been established here that in a lot of cases, grades do matter. But in several really important cases, grades really matter a lot less, you know, assuming you can get a passing grade, you know. And that's always what I'm talking about here because there doesn't seem to be many cases that I can think of where, you know, you take the class, you fail, and it's like, oh, it really didn't matter that I failed, you know. Uh, What I'm talking about here is the separation between somebody, you know, getting a C and a B, or a a B and an A, you know, that kind of um, importance. So I'm talking to students in in this case that, you know, comfortably know that they're going to pass courses, yet are still highly uh, nervous and put a, a large emphasis on grades. So for instructors, why do we issue grades? You know, I know for some of us, if we didn't have to, we wouldn't, right? It's not fun. Um, I would say issuing grades for me, uh, ranks, you know, is uh, enjoyable things to do in terms of like my job description as a instructor, probably near the bottom. You know, I don't enjoy grading things. Um, But at the same time, I know that it's one of the most important aspects of my job as well. So I have to put an emphasis on it, even though I don't, you know, particularly love it. (laughs) Um, So we we issue grades because we have to, right? Um, It's part of our job description to evaluate students. We don't just teach. We have to evaluate as well. And how do we evaluate? That's really the way that we have in post-secondary education, really all education, is some sort of letter or number system to measure mastery, right? A hundred or an A indicates, you know, basically complete mastery of some sort of subject, right? And we'll get to what that actual subject is in a minute. Um, So you're measuring mastery and you are also distinguishing high performers from low performers, right? In most cases, if it's a pass-fail course, then you're not doing that. But if you're talking about a standard A to F scale or, you know, 0 to 100 grading scale, um, you have to kind of be able to show which people, you know, uh, have mastered the content, whatever that may be, better. As a paying customer of education you expect grades also, right? You expect to earn something at the end in return for all of the work that you've done. Now, long-term, that's a degree, right? But short-term, you need to kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The assurance that you have mastered it because if you didn't have a test at the end, you might think you mastered it and really didn't. Or... This probably doesn't have as less. You mastered it, you know. You didn't, um, you didn't think you mastered it, but you really did, you know. So in that case, you know, it it is upon us as instructors to issue grades. Now, my relationship with grades is very detached, right? If somebody writes a killer paper and I give them an A, I'm really proud of the student and what they've shown me in their mastery. I don't give a shit that it's an A. <laughs> You know, I've seen some really, you know, some really awesome efforts out of students that end up being a B that, in my mind, are worth more than the student that's been consistently pumping out A's all semester. This student, you know, was struggling or nearly failing, and all of a sudden at the end, 
puts out a paper that that's a B. It's like, damn, you know. So, you know, that's sort of my relationship with grades. It's to me about the improvement or lack thereof within the student over the course of the semester. And for me, you know, I am not really. If I have a lot of students that don't do well in my course, it it bothers me. But I also don't necessarily take it uh, take full responsibility for that. Maybe I just had a bunch of students that were not up to par. Um, maybe they usually are good students, but just by random chance, a number of them had really challenging semesters. Um, there could be a num- maybe there's some sort of outside thing happened. I remember when Hurricane Sandy hit here in New Jersey. I was doing the cognitive remediation intervention, and it happened uh, in September. It was like the end of September. And it was, so we were like four weeks into school, and all of a sudden all of the schools in, in the area were like just shut down for a week. And that had a real effect on students. And they actually, a lot of schools that semester issued like, uh, were more lenient on the ability for students to withdraw or get incompletes and stuff because they recognized, you know, just random, you know, act of God happened. Um, and it really brought down the whole class. Um, for me, what's important is being a consistent grader. So I, I wouldn't say it keeps me up at night, but this is the thing that, you know, really I, sh- I stress about as an instructor is making sure that, you know, everybody's paper is looked at in, in the same way and that I'm not showing favoritism or bias or anything uh, and that I'm, I'm consistently evaluating. So we use things like grading rubrics for that. Um, at least in our department. So I would think, you know, most of the faculty that are listening are probably nodding their heads like, yes, consistency is kind of what I'm striving for. So I think that that's important, I think, for the students to know is like, I'm not looking to hand out a million A's. It'd be great if I did, but I don't care if I don't. What I care about is improvement. You know, did the person, was the person able to go from being a C student early on to an A or a B? Um, And I care about consistency. So what do we want to say about the student approach to grades today? I think that the number one thing that I want to say is that they don't define you as a person. You know, um, they are meant to be a learning experience. And learning, can you can and often should take sort of a trial and error approach. So if I went into uh, a new program at college, and let's say I wasn't sure about it. And I was like, eh, I'm going to try this. And I did really poorly. That wouldn't to me, this is me that doesn't have a mental illness, so I understand it may be different for other people and they may struggle and internalize this. But I don't feel like I, I would say afterwards, like, I'm a shitty person because I got a bad grade in that class. <laughs> Although that seems like the road I was headed down, according to my second and third grade teachers. So I would what I would say though is I'm not good at that. <laughs> so let me try something else. You know, or it might be I didn't like that and that's why I did bad and I know that. So I'm going to try something else. Grades don't define you. Now I, I think back to the old Bill Parcells quote. Bill Parcells was a NFL uh great uh, football coach, led the Giants uh, to Super Bowl and um, Bill Parcells had a famous quote: "You are what your, you are what your record says you are." 
right? So there's a lot of teams, you know, it's like, oh, we're a four and eight team, but we're really fucking good. And it's like, nah, you're a four and eight team. You are that team because that's what your record says you are. So there is that that pushing back. It's like, no, you're a B student. That's what you are. But there are a lot of reasons, like I said earlier, as to why somebody is, could actually be an A student and get a B in that course, right? So for that reason, in my mind, grade, grades do not define you, but they can help you figure out things about yourself. And they're part of what you pay for. So I understand the people out there that get a grade and look at it and they're like that's not fair I deserve this grade and they write to the instructor um but as long as it's a legitimate reason right so I had somebody recently reach out to me and they had gotten something like a 98 on the assignment and they reached out and they were like um the feedback you gave me contradicts the instructions that you provided in the assignment (laughs) So I look back and shit, yeah, I, I said something in the instructions, this person followed the instructions and I ended up taking points off. So even though it's like, who really cares going from a 98 to a hundred, um, it's, it mattered to the student because it was in a sense unfair. And I acknowledged it, apologized and corrected it happily, um, because I want students to point that kind of stuff out to me. What I, what I struggle with is a student that gets a 98 and they're arguing for those two points for a reason that is like not, you know, not so cut and dry like that. You know, that it's like they believe, you know, they should get it and it has nothing to do with, you know, any kind of discrepancy in, in the instructions or something on my end. They just don't think that, um, they don't think that they deserve that grade and it's like, okay. So I always wonder with, with, with people that do this, like, is there something more productive you could be doing, right? Um, there's other things that you pay for besides grades when you go to college. You're paying for the opportunity to network with, you know, professionals, academics, researchers, you're paying for these stepping stone opportunities, you know, work study opportunities, internship opportunities, uh, research assistant opportunities. You are paying for the, the direction that you can get. If you go into school without direction, you have the opportunity to explore a lot of things, try things out and find your direction. You're paying to have access to, in some cases, you know, world-class research facilities, computing facilities, you know, these, these um, different things that are very costly to the community that you have access to, library systems, databases, that as a student you wouldn't otherwise have. So I always think, like, all right, if somebody spends this much time, you know, trying to get their 98 changed to 100, and there's no, like, you know, cut-and-dry reason... Are they neglecting these other things at that expense? And is that worth it? I would think not, but maybe. There's a student as a consumer movement that's sort of been underway for a while. I was sort of looking at this. I'm going to include a link in the show notes to one article about it. Um, This idea that there's several different forces coming together to kind of change how students are seen in colleges, you know, um, it was, it used to be, you know, students are students, right? They're here to learn. 
um, if they don't learn, they don't get the grade, and that's, you know, tough tuchus, right? Um, but now we're seeing this more student as a consumer movement in response to things like, you know, large cuts in funding by states to, you know, state fund, state universities and decline, you know, declining attendance at certain universities. The market is flooded at, at the current moment with opportunities for college uh, and for higher ed. And we are, I believe, at an inflection point. You know, I think that in the next 10 to 15 years, you're going to see major institutions uh, fail because they have, they're so over leveraged and in debt. Um, so in response, universities have taken more of a con consumer movement, like you are uh, here. The other reason for this is the increasing skyrocketing tuition, cost of tuition. So schools feel they need to justify that tuition by having a more consumer-focused mentality. And that, I think, has led to great inflation. You know um, that students does you know expect a certain grade um, or the opportunity to earn that grade <laughs> seems to be the qualifier um, so we will extend those opportunities and in the article I see you know there used to be this concept of the gentleman C in Ivy League schools is I think where it started you know like if you're paying to go to Harvard and you're showing up, you know, even if you're not the, the sharpest tool in the shed, you know, you got the C, you know, you got the passing grade and how the grade inflation has caused this to become the gentleman's B. And that's like, oh, oh, that's so, that hurts me inside. A little part of me dies. Um, but these are, think for, these are things that I think students should have some knowledge about, right? Um, knowledge is power. You know, if you know that this is the, the trend, um, how, what can you do to capitalize on it, right? So, you know, we've talked about a lot of different aspects related to grades here. I think that what it all comes back to is this idea of where, what are we doing here? What's the goal, right? Not necessarily your goal here on the College Student Success Podcast, but it could be. But what's your goal for being in college? Are you there to just get a degree and go into the, the workforce? Are you there to go to grad school? Are you there to just dick around uh, and party? Are you there to explore a bunch of different options and see because you have no direction? Um, based on what the goal is, you can then project how important grades are to you in your personal situation, right? The person that is gunning for med school is the one that is should be hyper focused on the 4.0 GPA. Um, doesn't necessarily need to be the person that is a psych major that's planning to go into community mental health at the conclusion of their you know getting their bachelor's. You know, um, so don't put those kinds of efforts in if they're not required leverage school and college for the other things that we talked about the stepping stone opportunities the networking the you know world class facilities you know and I can extend those to like you know exercise facilities gyms pools tracks you know sporting you know facilities too uh, so you know explore and use those to your advantage while you're in college to get either closer to that goal or other goals. Maybe it's the goal you're working on here. So 
when you're thinking about for you, you want to do a, a kind of a personal assessment on, all right, what is the what is the goal here? Do I absolutely need to get an A? Um, or, you know, can I afford to, you know, not slack off? That's not what my the point of this episode is. I, I always want to encourage people to do their best. But at what point do you determine, you know, I'm, I'm done, right? There's a saying in, I think that Facebook has sort of made it famous. Apparently it's on one of their the walls in their major headquarters. Uh, done is better than perfect. And I am such a huge proponent of this uh, phrase. There's so many things in our lives that are, are multi-step projects, right? Big tasks, that we never finish, you know, for whatever reason. Um, it could be, you know, school task, it could be a personal goal. I remember when I, I thought about this a lot when I was working on my online course, you know, Ace Your Online Class, which is uh, referenced in the show notes in case people are interested in a uh, course for people that are new to online learning. That was a big process, and I remember times at where I lost momentum, and I sort of was like, oh, am I ever going to see this through? Um, or there were times when I got bogged down in some sort of detail that I was like spending so much time on, and I'd take a step back and be like, why am I spending so much time on this one thing? It's good enough, right? I just want to be done. And to have that mentality, you are able to kind of finish projects. Uh, we heard from Lisa a few weeks ago who is a college student in recovery and a recent college grad, she talked about this, that she used to stress over a paper for a week, you know, or just like a one-page thing, you know, not even a major paper. And she learned to be able to let go and realize like, oh, I spent like 10% of the time that I normally spend on these assignments because I normally obsess about them. And I actually got almost the same grade, you know? Um, And it was big, like, you know, relief for her because she made her realize, like, I don't have to dedicate all of this extra time that, you know, getting it done was was good enough. So how do we figure out what are those things to be doing? Uh, You know, what are the important things versus the, you know, fighting needlessly for an A versus an A minus? Well, you've heard me talk about the Pareto principle, Uh, this idea that 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. So that's why it's also aptly named the 80-20 rule. And I try and apply this in all areas of my life. You know, I think about it from when I exercise. You know, what are the 20% of activities I could do that would yield 80% of the results? You know, because I think we sometimes get so focused on the 80% that only leads to 20% of the results. It's like, oh... It's just not worth it. We could be doing other things. Um, and it's funny, like, the, the, the one thing that actually got me thinking about this whole topic is uh, had a conversation in my grad school class this week um, about content creation. And I had made a comment in class, like, I saw a statistic that it was, like, th- only 3% of, you know, um, traffic on the internet is actual content creation uh, and that the other 97% is content consumption 
And so in preparation, that was something I was thinking about when I was, I don't know how it got, I got to grades from that. Um, but I ended up looking into it because I was like, let me find that statistic. And I was wrong. It's actually 1%. 1% of, uh, you know, web traffic is content creation and 99% is consumption. And it was also described as the uh, 1, 10, and 10, 1, 10, and 90 rule. Or I guess it's 1, 9, and 90. So I think about this as it's like... Uh, a forum, you know, a message board, right? So 1% of the people reading or, you know, 1% of the people that are on a message board at any given time are actually creating content, you know, making posts uh, from scratch. Uh, 9% would be like responding to that original content and the other 90% is just lurking, reading it. And there's some, you know, been some studies. I'm just going to link to uh, a basic Wikipedia page about this because it's as deep. I don't want to go real deep into this. I just thought it was an interesting concept to contrast to the 80-20 rule, um, how it sort of gets magnified in once we, you know, in the web tech kind of space. Um, but think about being a creator, you know. Think about how much time you, spe- you spend on consumption. And is there something you could be doing, you know, from a web content? It doesn't even have to be web, you know, creating music, you know, maybe it ends up online, maybe not. But I just think creating content is just such a, it's something that I think more people need to be doing more of, you know. And so my the podcast is my little effort. I, I admit I do next to nothing else. And that includes like posting on social media, right? Content creation, that's content creation. Um, I do very little of that. I do a lot of lurking and I'm fine with that. Um, So that's the topic for today. A little bit different, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Our home exercise for today is to do an 80-20 analysis on your goal. Take stock of where you're at so far. Um, figure out how much closer you, you know, how close you are, because we're really the halfway point now. I think this is the seventh episode. So we got eight more. Um, so ideally you'd want to be about halfway to your goal. I know that's not the case with me. I just checked my podcast download statistics recently, but you know, uh, it's okay, but it, it will, what I will do is sort of my 80-20 will be like, well, what are the things that I'm doing to try and grow the podcast, right? And I might make a list of them this week and think about, well, what are the things that I think are going to have the greatest effect? And I'm going to focus on those one or two things and ignore the other eight things that I've been doing. So that's sort of how I plan to attack it. How do you plan to do it? Let me hear. Write in. Send me an email. Tweet about it. I don't care. Um, but just kind of think about, are the efforts that you're putting in giving you the maximum amount of return? If not, you may want to consider some alternatives in terms of other things that you'd want to, other ways you'd want to tackle the goal or perhaps even shifting the goal. You know, if you've made no progress so far, you still got eight weeks with me, yo, um, before we got a break and then we're coming back in the spring. So, you know, never too late. So, Yeah. Um, one last thing, you know, in, in kind of keeping with that 80-20 rule, um, one of the things I was talking about, like, 
in, when I was in that uh, doctoral class this week, and we were talking about the web content creation and consumption thing, I, I'm wondering how many listeners are actually taking advantage of, or maybe that's the wrong term, using the whole work on a goal while listening to this podcast aspect of it, right? So that to me is like, in my mind, the sort of the, the crowning, the, the key piece of the podcast, it's like the most important thing for me is helping college students and faculty achieve goals that they would not otherwise be able to achieve. That's typically not the, the, the charge of most podcasts, right? It's not the charge of any that I know. Um, usually podcasts are trying to just provide information, right? And educate people and, or entertain them in some way. And I hope that I do that. But I'm also trying to, in some ways, change people. I'm trying to change behavior. That's hard. I'm not trying, you know, I'm not minimizing it. But I wonder if people are actually doing that. Are you Are you setting goals in the beginning of the semester? Are you doing the home exercises? Has anyone achieved anything? <laughs> um, I've gotten next to no feedback about it. So it makes me think that people really are, I'm hypothesizing here. I don't know. But I'm wondering if people are just more, taking listening to the podcast because I know people are downloading it I assume if they're downloading it that they're listening to some of it that they are either getting education or entertained and thank you know thank you for downloading and and subscribing and listening I appreciate it Um, but I just wonder like are people setting goals following through the exercises are you getting anything out of that because the 80-20 in me the Pareto principle is saying I focus a big part of you know the podcast on that, and if I didn't, um, I could I could dedicate that to other aspects of growing the podcast. So, let me know, anyone out there, please reach out. Just let me know, like, yeah, I was able to achieve this goal, or you don't even have to tell me the goal. Or now, I really don't use that. I I'm, I mainly listen for for the knowledge or for the entertainment. Uh, it would really help me out in getting closer to my goal. So. All right, guys. Really enjoyed being back with you. Um, I feel like now that I do have done so many interviews episodes this semester, like it's like I miss you, <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I definitely am going to keep doing these, you know, you know just parent episodes. And uh, if you have any ideas for the topic, definitely reach out. Otherwise, talk to you guys next week. Have a